fortnightly podcast about stealth video games. On every episode, we go in-depth and all spoilery on one specific game and discuss whether said game's stealth and its boom-boom are up to snuff. My name is Colm O'Hearn and joining me on this episode, he is neither my mother, my father, my brother or my sister. It is my good friend, Mr. Adam Carroll. Good evening. And... Another man who isn't related to me whatsoever. In fact, an ocean separates us. It's not an ocean. It's the sea. It's Josh Wise. Hello. Lads, I'm, I'm going to try, don't worry, I'm going to try and work on those intros and I'm going to try and um, kind of meld them into the game that we're going to be discussing uh, because we are discussing another stealth game today, of course. But before we discuss said game, Often, if you haven't noticed by now, this is only the second game, of course, that we are discussing. We try and pick games around anniversaries and whatnot. So this one is celebrating its fifth anniversary, which means we have to turn back the clock because, lads, tonight we're going to party like it's January 30th, 2018. <laughs> Get in the headspace, lads. It is, yeah, it's the 30th of January, 2018. U.S. President Donald Trump delivers his first State of the Union address to the 115th United States Congress in the Chamber of the House of Representatives. Mm. I wonder how that's going to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe more importantly, Carnation Street signed deals with Costa and the Co-op with uh, two fully branded storefronts popping up in Weatherfield. A first for, uh, for the cobblestones. And probably for Costa. Yes, it was a momentous day for for many reasons. But it's now time for Back of the Box. This is the part of the show where I give you some information on the game we're going to be discussing. uh, Some vital information, such as the name of it, first of all. And that is Remothered Tormented Fathers. And some people may be listening to this going... I don't know what that is. Well, let me tell you. In a sentence, it is a third-person horror stealth game with puzzles. I think that basically sums it up. Yeah. It came out on... It had a lot of release dates on a lot of different systems. So, its first release was on Halloween. The 31st of October, 2017. It came out uh, early access on PC. We're celebrating... Well, celebrating... I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, We're talking about it today because it's its fifth anniversary of its full release on PC, which was indeed the 30th of January, 2018. It came to PS4 and Xbox One about a year and a couple of months later on the 25th of July, 2018. And quite a while then, uh, it took for it to come out on the Nintendo Switch on the 6th of September, 2019. I haven't played the Switch version, but from what I've seen, shock horror, it's the weakest version performance-wise. Mm-hmm. Now, this is indeed is the part of the show where, I, you know, we, we call it back of the box, but I want to tell you what was on the back of the physical box. Because this did, you know, it had, it had a retail release on those other platforms. That surprises me. I wouldn't have thought it would, but fair enough to him. So there, there's a few cinematic-looking images with a very large picture of the protagonist on the left. 
And then there is a figure that turns out to be Richard Felton on the right. And here's the text that accompanies these uh, images. As Rosemary Reed tries to uncover a missing girl's story, she finds herself in an in, in an inescapable nightmare. Bit of a tongue twister, it appears. I didn't didn't anticipate that. Fairly loosey goosey there. I guess it does what it needs to do, but it's not really telling me much about the game. No, that's all the text. It is a copper, I will say. You know, not with remothered specifically, but you know, the back of the back of the boxes these days. It's a bit of a cop out. I remember back in the day, you get a lot of te- you get a lot of words on the back, you know, you get a good old blurb. We tell you what the game is. So look, it, because the back of the box doesn't tell you what the game is about, let, let me tell you oh, as oh. I try and give you a bit of a story synopsis. Cracks knuckles. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try and do this as quick as I possibly can. <clears throat> The year is 1992. The country is Italy. The people have American accents. Uh, honestly, that's not the biggest problem. <laughs> so, a woman named Rosemary Reed visits the spacious and creepy home of one Dr. Richard Felton. Felton has an incurable disease which he contracted in 1958 while holidaying in Egypt with friends. A few years later, in the autumn of 1971, Felton's adopted daughter, Celeste, went missing and supposedly never, ent- uh, never returned home. I need to move on a bit because this is still like the first 20 minutes of the game. (laughs) Reed is kicked out of the home by Felton. She sneaks back in and finds the rotting corpse of Felton's wife in her bed. The the corpse is covered in moths and presumably other nasty creatures. Also, Richard Felton is walking the halls of the house wearing nothing but an apron and holding nothing but a sickle. (laughs) Felton is looking to maim anyone who crosses the homeowner's path. Okay, I'm going to try and skip over a bit. Basically, Reed eventually finds out through a recorded hypnosis session that Celeste, Felton's daughter, did indeed return home, but Felton began calling her Jennifer and then murdered her. And then a very scary nun shows up and wants to kill Reed. And then there's a bit in the attic (laughs) and so on and so forth. Uh, I'm just trying to get to the bit that is the most important because honestly, it's shambolic. So Reed finds Richard Felton's birth certificate, which reveals that the good doctor was born Jennifer Richard Dean Felton. It turns out that Felton was given testosterone and forced to live as a man by their asshole father. This led Felton to develop split personalities, both Richard and Jennifer. So yeah, the game says trans character equals madness. It's revealed late that Felton isn't the main antagonist. The main antagonist is in fact Felton's nurse, Gloria Ashman. Ashman says that she'd been experimenting on Felton and forced them to murder their wife. Ashman is also the red nun, by the way. Then you trick her into falling out the window. Jumping ahead a little bit here. But yeah, she falls out of a three-story window and (laughs) she lives long enough to have a seven or eight minute conversation with you. Uh, And in the conversation, it's revealed that Ashman and Reed were nuns at the same convent where they were being experimented on with a drug. Reed burned the convent down and then there's a teaser for the second game. I missed a few bits. But that's the main, that's the main goal of us. The people behind this game, the developer, Stormind Games. Now, this is going to be a bit shorter because they were a very young developer in 2018, having only been set up two years prior in 2016 in Italy. In fact, their first game was Remothered Tormented Fathers. That, that's kind of it. Like, as I say, when I talk about the developer and the publisher in, in Back of the Box, I'm, I'm not going to give you their entire history. I just give you basically up to this point where they were at this time. Now, the publisher is Daryl Arts. 
and this may be a little bit longer and thankfully I have the words um, let me explain it's important to point out <laughs> that Daryl Arts and the most important person in the development of Remothered Chris Daryl are effectively one and the same effectively and thanks to a very thorough biography that appeared on the now defunct Daryl Arts website I'm able to tell you a few things about the man and remother tormented fathers so here's a, a truncated version of the biography and the one thing I will say is to remember it's presumably written by someone whose native language is Italian and not English because Daryl like the developer Stormind Games is also Italian it's very like a lot of people involved in this Italian but anyway here mm. here is a bit from that biography that now no longer exists you have to use the Wayback Machine to get it the idea behind Remothered begins when Chris Darrell is only 18 the project starts taking shape with Darrell in the role of, of the only developer working on it at this stage the project is just a 2D game created through RPG maker XP but it gains the attention of the audience and specialised magazines and gathers its own fan base at a global level Remothered rapidly shows to be on par with the most known survival horror games as it relies on a solid structure, a peculiar characterization, and an intriguing storyline. In 2011, Daryl takes part in a competition for indie game developers where Remothered obtains positive feedback. The first offers arrive in no time. Chris gets sincerely surprised when he receives a €100,000 offer for the game's intellectual property alone. This huge offer doesn't separate the author from his work of art. Actually, Chris becomes even more charmed by the idea to keep developing Remothered. Supported by his friends, Daryl turns down the offer to sell the intellectual property and focuses on the development of the game. It goes on a bit. <laughs> Daryl talks about getting involved in a Kickstarter and so on and so forth. Anyway, we pick it up again. Encouraged by the international designers he works with, Chris partners up with three of his friends and colleagues and funds Daryl Arts, and they aim to give birth to Remothered the way it deserved to. What follows next is the partnership with Stormind Games, an Italian uh, video game development studio that produces thrilling games with strong cinematic vibes. Editor's note, again, it's the first game. And the development of Remothered flies off. <laughs> The project, originally thought as a homemade indie title, becomes a game that shows to be every bit as good as the most impressive AAA works. Humble. Humi humility is important, I think. You can't be boasting too much, because otherwise people, you know... <laughs> Get, stay self-effacing and you'll take people by surprise, you know. Sales-wise... Yeah. As I said on the last episode, I do, I'll try my best to give you, you know, budget or sales figures or where it was in the charts, but video games don't make it as easy as movies. According to a post on Daryl's personal Instagram on the 2nd of November 2022, so quite recent, Remothered apparently had sold 500,000. That's all I have to go on is Daryl's Instagram. I was half expecting you to say something absolutely ludicrous, like five million or something. But if he's, you know, if he's fibbing, that's a good fib. It's like, I'll, I'll, I'll believe 500,000. Now, the critical reception of this one on OpenCritic, which obviously consolidates the score on all platforms. On OpenCritic, it has a 70. And then on Metacritic, on PC, it's a 77. On PS4, it's a 75. On Xbox One, it's a 68. And on Switch, it is 55. Oof. I will say I played it on PC. Played it on the Steam Deck, yeah. I was PS5. We're going to take a quick break and then we will be back to talk about 
The advertising for remothered, tormented fathers. I remind you that you were sedated with a dose of phenoxyl and submitted to the constant swing of the metronome. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? So, let's rewind the clock, get into the headspace of this time and what was up with Remothered Tormented Fathers, how they were positioning it. As I said, this one, in comparison to Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus, some of the links that I shared with you and some of the things we're going to be talking about, they're spread across quite a decent time frame because of the game having such a scattered release date or a scattered release dates. Because even the announcement trailer for the game was on the 30th of January, but there's one interview I want to talk about, which was on the 16th of October, 2019. There was two years, two and a bit years between those. I don't really have an awful lot to say about the trailers. They start out extremely obscure. And as you work your way through the, the from announcement trailer to early access trailer to then you get to the official trailer. The, the very first one was sort of absolutely bonkers. You get a little bit more info in each trailer as you go along. They never get, you know, I mean, they're always bonkers because games bonkers. But um, yeah, it, start, it started off more abstract. I think they wanted people to go, what on earth is this game? I think even with these trailers, though, a lot of people were like, the, the fans, let's say, were were sold. They they seemed yeah. to be sold on what they were seeing. Like like in that first like trailer that was posted on January 30, 2017, like there was a comment that said, this is art. And <laughs> like we were getting into that level because people... Like, yeah. I don't want to get ahead of the, the general bio of the game, but, you know, this was apparently supposed to be, like, a, a homage to Clock Tower, that series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that is where a lot of horror fans were just kind of going, okay, cool, that kind of went out into the yeah. world, that little bit of information. So people were just like, is this it? What's going on? So I think people were just kind of on a level of excitement already. But the trailers are kind of like, yeah. Very abstract. Now, something that's a, a bit clearer is an interview that Chris Darrell did on the, as I said, the 16th of October, 2019. And I'm not including this in the, the press section, really. This is more in the advertising, the marketing of the game, because this interview was conducted by Sodesco and Sodesco published the physical version of the game. It was at Gamescom. I think it's referenced at the start of the interview. But I have a clip here. And this is a clip where Daryl talks about his inspirations. Uh, yeah, he, I suppose his, his general inspirations and some inspirations for Remothered itself. Uh, I watched a lot of movies. Uh, some of my favorites are by Roman Polaski or the old movies by uh, Hitchcock. And there's a lot of other movies that 
for sure inspired me. For example, Hitchcock's Psycho or Shining by Stanley Kubrick. Also, when I played a lot of video games, for example, The Old Silent Hill or uh, Resident Evil or also other kind of video games because uh, I'm not only a horror addicted. I love horror, but it's not my only genre. And I, I just wanted to play that because I thought it was important for our later discussion where some of the movies he, he is referencing, maybe even some of the games that he's referencing as well, will likely come up. I want to talk about how the press was feeling about this in some, some news, some, some interviews, one in particular, in fact, that Daryl did with uh, WCCF Tech. Uh, this was on the 6th of April, 2018. So again, this is after the PC game had come out, but before the console versions had come out. But there, there's a quote here. Again, I, I, I find Daryl a fascinating man in many ways. And he was asked about his inspirations. He said this, quote, I love horror movies and directors such as Polanski, Lynch, Hitchcock and Poopy Avati. Is that right? The Italian director known for his masterpiece, The House with Laughing Windows. Players who also have cinema among their interests will likely notice the influence of cinematography in Remothered, Tormented Fathers. Again, we're just setting the scene for what Daryl's influences were. So let's get into the review of Remothered, Tormented Fathers. Before we lay out how we're going to be discussing this just for for new listeners or for for people coming back i want to get where your heads were at when you know like oh we're we're going to be looking at this game before you played it for the podcast adam what was your knowledge of free mother tormented fathers before playing it for stealth boom boom well given all the movie talk he goes on about uh that is where i ended up kind of noticing the game and like i'll be honest i bought it when it got released and I I say I got through maybe the first hour or so and I won't get ahead of myself here but all I'll say is that when the when I was basically going, okay this is how it is and this is what I am doing for probably majority of the game at that particular time I was like not right now maybe down the line and here we are today <laughs> Uh, Josh, what what about you? Had you did you have remothered tormented fathers uh, posters on your wall? Loved it? <laughs> no, I had uh, I had heard uh, the, well, I heard the name once, and actually uh, the dates line up pretty perfectly because I think it came out on consoles the month that I started at Video Gamer, and I remember being in the office and someone might have been you might have been uh rich might have been someone else said the name of the game because they were doing a news piece and i erupted into laughter and said you know what's what's that um and i still laugh at the title now but but that is all i knew and, and i think i possibly looked at an image of it and said oh it's just like a bonkers um you know kind of cheap and charming possibly horror game but I basically just knew nothing other than the outrageous title i think that was rich i should say people listen to this rich walker is a person myself and josh used to work with and maybe he might be on a future episode perhaps but i've googled 
Rich's name and remothered and an article does come up. So because I, I was going to say my knowledge of this game was zilch uh, until when we first started talking about doing this podcast, I was kind of drawing up a list of stealth games and remothered tormented fathers. I had seen pop up a couple of times. I think it was on Reddit and I think I saw it being mm. mentioned, you know, this is a, your horror stealth game. It's quite, quite a good one. So I was like, okay, well mm. I'll, I'll jot that down and I'll make note of it. I, I'm pretty sure that was my knowledge of it. Mm. Before mm. we actually talk about the gameplay itself, what we generally do here on Stealth Boom Boom is we split up our talking points into categories, like an old school magazine. We first talk about the stealth. Then we talk about the boom boom, which is generally everything but the stealth, but you know, the killing and the murdering and whatnot. Then we talk about the most noteworthy mission level or area. It doesn't have to, it can be least favorite, most favorite, whatever. It's just the most noteworthy. And then we talk about the story and finishing it off kind of miscellaneous, if any of us have something to add. But there will be people again out there who didn't play along at home. So this should be a bit shorter, but I'm going to try and give you a breakdown of the gameplay and what actually happens. So Remother Tormented Fathers takes place in the Felton Mansion, which is this, as I referenced earlier, a three-story house with hidden corridors, tons of rooms, etc. And your goal as a woman named Rosemary Reed is to explore this house, completing puzzles as you go. So it's Things like find a key to open this door, but the key is in the plug hole of a bath. Then it falls down the the plug hole and it ends up in the basement. And then you have to find a way to grab it because it's behind a grate. You get the drift. While you're completing these puzzles, you can pick up two different types of items scattered about the place. There uh, they are defense items and diversion items. Diversion items are pointless. And I know we're going to talk about them in a minute, so I'll leave it off right now. Bit of editorialising here. And (laughs) defence items, they come in handy when you come face to face with one of the four different characters that are stalking your movements around the house. They're introduced at different times in the game. They aren't all following you at once. Just think of Mr. X or... Uh, nemesis in Resident Evil. The movements of these baddies aren't predetermined, mostly, some scripted bits, but mostly not predetermined, and they can pop up anywhere at any time. Your goal is to try and hide from all of these uh, stalkers, they're called in the game. Uh, You hide from them in cupboards, wardrobes, underneath sofas, etc. If they catch you, you're goosed and it's game over. Unless you have a defence item, which is generally something pointy and stabby, a knife or whatnot. When they grab you, you jab them and then gives you a chance to run away from them. But the key is that you lose that item. So basically, if you have one knife on you, you're caught and you stab Felton or whomever a stalker to get away, then that knife is gone. So you then you need to pick up another defence item and rinse and repeat. And that is pretty much it. Pretty much. So, let's talk about the stealth then, shall we? Adam, mm-hmm. I believe you noticed there was a lot of slow movements around this house. A lot of walking, a lot of crouching. Yes. Not a fan? Yeah. Look, I understand we had to stay quiet, but look... For a lady that was in a panic, 
she didn't seem to be rushing too much. And like the walking in this game is torture because it is doing this whole thing of do not. If you run, you're going to cause a scene that you're going to be running all over the floorboards. It's going to attract attention. Yada, 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 whatever. So you either have the choice of walking incredibly slow or crouching incredibly slow. And getting around this mansion at that pace was, I will say, there was tension. There was for the for the first maybe hour, I'd say I was a bit like, okay, this is this is kind of nerve wracking a small bit because you're trying to read where this guy is the whole time, but I just think for the most part, like that 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 the 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 way you were navigating through just didn't work for me. It was because there's also a situation of where am I going? What what <laughs> am what where am I supposed to go? Like there is no real sense of direction. Like in my head, I'm like. I will get out of this place. I will, I will just exit this building. But you just don't do that, obviously. And I felt with the pace that I was going at, I just didn't know what I was trying to do. And it, it, it got very frustrating. But as I said, the tension was kind of there. It did deliver that. And maybe that was the whole purpose of it. But, you know, it just... I, a little bit more leeway. Just I, I just had to get moving a bit faster. Because when you do run, when you do get caught and you run, it's you can get away pretty quick and it shows a lot of falls there, especially when you when you hide, whatever, but we'll get to that in a second. But like yeah, it, I just wasn't a fan in short. Josh, mm. you, you found the tension very effective. I did. I, f- I found uh, <clears throat> I agree I agree with Adam. Like it, it has a shelf life. I, I think it's good for maybe like 40 minutes to an hour and it eventually does go. But when it was there, I think early on, I, um, I did, uh, I did feel, uh, sort of tense and, 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 uh, you know, and, and under threat. And I think partly because it's a horror game and there's a really interesting little overlap here, which I think Adam touched on in the last episode where, you know, stealth and horror do go very nicely together. And so I think a lot of the tension comes from the fact that at least early on in remothered, tormented fathers, I was on edge. And so creeping around, you know, there was a genuine little frisson of like, ooh, yeah, this is, yeah, this atmosphere, it is all right. It is all right. And, um, there's, there's a couple of mechanics that sort of help, you know, help that out for me. I, they sort of do a thing where you can, you can lure people, you can, you can make a noisy distraction by throwing something, which I think they probably pinched that from Alien Isolation. And it worked really well with that in that game. You could sort of lure the Xenomorph down a particular way and say, right, you go that way because I need to get around you and go the other way. So yeah, for, for, for a little while, um, I thought it, I thought it was tense, but then, you know, that's, that's the problem with horror that's maybe not as much of a problem with pure stealth but with horror it's a problem when <clears throat> the monster is is known to you the player and when especially when there are lines of dialogue that start to loop oh, and, man. <laughs> and <laughs> i think when you're like introduced to to failure or a fail state the moment that horror gives way to irritation it is 
over and 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 i think that's the main problem with well maybe not the main one there's a few problems with remothered but that was certainly one of them Mm -hmm. and in a dead in a stealth game that's not horror you don't really have that you you know you think oh well i messed up on the stealth i'll have another go but when it's a double whammy you think okay well now i'm just kind of annoyed and it's lost a lot of the atmosphere Uh, but Yeah. yeah anyway going back to what adam was saying yeah i think for about 40 minutes for me maybe about an hour the the best that remothered could be was in that 40 minutes to an hour <laughs> to, to an hour for me and i, I don't i don't want to like i don't want to talk about this game throughout talking about remothered but you said it there josh 80 nights Isolation, right i couldn't help but think of that game constantly as i'm playing remothered now we mm. are going to talk about alien isolation down the line i'd imagine but mm. like you take that it's literally like almost the same premise except obviously isolation is first person and this is third person but that mm. hiding in the cupboard the the navigating through the the area and stuff like that giving you something giving you something to have like an indication of where the enemy is because let's be honest here right in a game like this the the ai of like the enemies it really has to be like fairly well balanced here and yeah. like when you're when you're kind of going in a stealth game you're kind of do i go now do i stay hang on is he there is he and then you get out of like the cupboard <laughs> and you have this like terribly terribly painful like three to four seconds of i am now exiting this cupboard and i'm turning around mm. to close the door <laughs> oh here he comes back in the cupboard again now and like you be in your head like because I had to play with um headphones at, like I'd say about two hours and I was like no I gotta put headphones on here because I can't figure out where where Felton is I was like yeah. this this dude sounds like he is outside right now and then you get out of something like underneath something or whatever you just you come out into the into the mansion and next minute he is just bowling the door and you're just like I honestly could not tell where you were <laughs> that is really frustrating and like when you're when you're doing this kind of game and then you die from something like that and you're like oh okay uh mm. i don't want to do that again like mm-hmm. there were times where i felt like i was actually kind of punishing myself playing this because of falls that were not mine mm-hmm. Th- there was a lot of the design was just not not the whole time but definitely like we'll talk about sound and stuff later on but like there was just falls in its design where it's like, this is not me. I fucking, I'm, I can hear him being far away, but no, he's right there. Just yeah. kind of frustrating. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. And I, I did, while we'll talk about this, uh, other aspects of the sound uh, later on. Yeah. This game, it doesn't have a map. It doesn't have a radar. You have nothing to, uh, you have nothing on your person to figure out where the baddies are, where the, the again, the game mm. refers to them as mm. stalkers. The, and I apologize to for lazily breaking it down like this, but basically you, you don't know where Mr. X is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and mm. in this game, you mm. need to. Or, yeah, as you said, the alien. In Alien Isolation, you have the, can't remember the name of it now, but the little radar thing. Yeah. And in, yeah, in yeah. this game, you spend a lot of time hiding under couches and in wardrobes and whatnot. And, and that's fine. That's a tried and tested self formula that, that works. But while in these places, your vision is massively restricted. In a wardrobe, yeah. all, you, all you have is a little crack in the doors. And while you're under a couch, you can just see feet walking by. 
like it's it's fine if somebody's walking by, but you can't you can't see anything else. But the thing I have a problem with is that evading these would-be attackers often revolves around luck. Mm-hmm. You take a few steps out into a hallway and just hope that there's nobody there. And uh, I, I feel like that's not what they were going for. I'm pretty sure. I think they wanted you mm. as the player to use sound to track these baddies. But the sound is mm. working on this sort of binary system. Again, to my mm. ears, I should say. Because when there's no one around you, you don't hear anything and you assume you're relatively safe. When someone is within a certain proximity of you, you hear muffled noises and then when they're right on top of you, it's clear as day. Mm. I, I say binary because the muffled mutterings of these people who are out to kill you, they could be in an adjacent room or they could be around the corner. Because yeah. it, mm. seems, it seems to me, and I even noticed this at the very start of the game when you as Reed are walking into the house with the nurse, but it seems like mm. there's this... And again, I'm not a programmer, but it seems like there's this if-else statement that's used with sound. That's, if there is no wall between enemy and protagonist, do not muffle sound. Else, muffle the bastard. So if the enemy is, yeah. is just around mm-hmm. the corner and you don't have the camera facing their direction, in other words, they're not on screen, sound is muffled. And it's massively unfair. Yeah, yeah. The shrill strings that play when when the stalkers are, are near. Like, do the strings get faster or louder if the enemy is closer? Because I don't think, again, to my ears, I don't think there was any change. There was just these, again, shrill strings that didn't yeah. build to a crescendo when the baddie is there. And I just think, like, there's something to be said as well, right? That, like, I feel that the tension of the game overall, when you start noticing that this is the situation, this is what's going down. Like, with the sound, there is there was something I noticed that when you were hiding, when Reed would say something like, I need to get out of here, that she kept saying this one line eventually, like, if you stayed in a cupboard or something for about 30 seconds, she'd say, I need to get out of here. That was almost like, you can now leave. You can now go. It's safe to go. And oh. so I kind of noticed every time I was going, when she said that, I was like, all right, there's a bit of a, bit of a, a gap here for me to just, go away but I as I was playing the game I was like we're in this mansion and there is something like three floors and like a basement let's say and I think personally why is the game designed for the enemy to be so on top of me all the time like it would have been far more terrifying if it was like okay I have no idea where this person is I'm hearing nothing It's just my footsteps and I'm here now on the first floor. They could be on the third floor, but I kind of need to go up there because I haven't really gone up there at all. And that would have built more tension. Like, I don't know if you take, um, uh, oh, Jesus, what's the guy's name in Resident Evil 7? What's his name? Jack Baker. Jack. Yeah. Like the way Jack is, Jack is doing this thing like, and that's in a small enough kind of little area. Like, you know, and he's, that's a great way of using that kind of level of, kind of stalker this this was like Felton was just constantly in at one stage for me I was in a cupboard and he was in the room next to me and I was like he's not leaving he's not leaving the room and I felt like I felt I needed to get out 
chance my arm or at least make a noise for him to leave the room but then hide in the cupboard again. And mm. like Colm, you touched upon the thing there about um the cupboards and stuff like that in general. I had, I had a huge problem with the cupboard. I'm sorry I mentioned it once here but I had massive <laughs> problems with the cupboards because as you say, Colm, your vision it's almost kind of tilted to the right mm-hmm. and you're you're looking directly out of this little crack and sometimes the enemy is standing right there looking in at you and you're just like there was a moment where re- like you because you don't do this thing where I like I put this down on my notes like there's none of this like holding your breath kind of thing it's just like which is fine it's just whatever but you could be seen you can be heard really if if you wanted it if they designed it that way but like you can't really like lean out of the cupboard to have a little peek or any of that but you can for some unknown reason zoom why 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 do I need to zoom like, yeah. I, didn't, like I, think, uh, I need to like peek out yeah I think the reason that that was I think the reason that there was a zoom in there was because they put a zoom in there so you could look at Felton's ass <laughs> <laughs> Because, my God. <laughs> it's, yeah. Well, the first time that it ever happens, I think they put the zoom in there for the first time. That Because the first time that you ever go in a cupboard is when, on that particular occasion, zooming may be of interest to you. Because if you zoom that first time, I suppose you get the detail on a corpse yep. in the bed and what Felton's. And I think the designers were like, well, we put the zoom in for that moment, but like basically... But like it's uh, there for the rest of the moments. Yeah, and- like, like, yeah, like I think they were then like, well, we won't take it out. I mean, just leave it. <laughs> 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 but, but yeah, I'm, t- I'm with you on that. I think like after that moment, it's a dead mechanic, really. <laughs> because it is very odd because they do tell you at the start of the game as well like you know like there's these weird things that happen where if you crouch you can kind of push open the door yep. yeah, any door you're walking through but then there's also this whole thing that they do not explain whatsoever there's certain doors that are tied with a rope mm-hmm. yep. and I'm yes. kind of like yep. I'm kind of like okay what's what's the story here I'm like, well, take off the rope because I want every door open because who knows what's going to happen? Like, mm. but apparently, like, I had to look up afterwards why this was there, and it's to stop the chase of Felton to going through some rooms. And I'm like, how am I supposed to know that? Mm. Like, honestly, so how is the player supposed uh, to know I, that? Like you, I, I didn't know that. I looked it up and I saw. And you, of course, when you pick, yeah, you can use the rope to um, keep Felton away by uh, locking the door and the game. Uh, I mean, if it never explained it to either of you, then I, I mustn't have missed it. Like, it just, it's just not in there. No, it didn't, it, it didn't explain that. I don't know. Sorry, I, I'm going off a tangent because, look, we are talking about the Celt of it. This game is just like, it's, its choices are bizarre. But, Colm, continue. I apologize. <laughs> not, not at all, not at all. You're very passionate about it, and I, I welcome that. Josh, are you as passionate about the AI because I know you you found it a bit odd as well, didn't you? I I did find it a bit odd. Yeah, I I think it, I think it was very much for me. It was um it was just if you run, they will the your attackers will get to you pronto. But the thing is, if you don't, um, it seem there seem to be seem to be very very random. I I think actually one of the things that's happened here is luck. As, as mad as that is, uh, like, I think I may have had a slightly luckier playthrough. And all I really mean by that is um, 
I didn't see very much of my attackers. Really? Yeah, there was, there was, and I'm not saying I'm good, by the way. I'm not saying I'm bloody (laughs) solid snake and you guys are idiots. Like I, I, there was sort of 20, there was just long stretches and maybe actually I was a little bit too careful and certainly earlier on I was a little bit silly because I was like deliberately trying to walk on thick carpets because I thought that was a thing and by the way you know if you're if I'm in this if I'm in Rose Rosemary Reed is it Rosemary Rosemary Reed Reed, yes if I'm in Rosemary Reed's position I may take off my wooden high heels Mm. I'm just putting that out there in that like I may pad around I put the bag down as well and put the bag down and yeah and (laughs) break into a jog it's fine but i think i did get a little bit um lucky because and and one plus point of that luck is that i maybe did feel a little bit the tension more i think it is luck and i think i i felt a little bit more stealthy maybe because i was i was pretty much always crouching very rarely Mm. in a walk and i must have used the run button like three times in this game tops like uh, maybe four like when i got chased i would obviously run um but yeah, I, only, I I got chased only like a handful of mm. times, like w- once once by each of the people, and then p- possibly an extra time by the nun or an extra couple of times. Mm. Maybe I'm sort of over over underselling that. But yeah, um, but no, the AI did basically seem pretty pretty binary, um, and I think Adam touched on that. It's just if you run, that's where the that's where the panic is, and everything other than running just seems to be a bit of roulette it's just you yeah. know creep creep around and we hope that you're that you feel intense while you're doing it because it, yeah it's basically um just luck i think i think that you're being a bit modest josh because you clearly are the solid snake of the group <laughs> <laughs> far better at stealth than i or adam because in well i didn't i didn't want to say that but you know i'm glad you pointed this out <laughs> in our notes here both myself and adam yeah. have written and i made reference to it earlier about never mm. using the diversion items never i think i used them uh. twice once because I, 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 when I found one, I was like, oh, I'll try this out. And I thought the wind, mm. ba- it, I thought everything about it took way too long. It was so cumbersome. Yeah. And I think I used another one by accident. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, okay. You, you you knocked a bit of use out of them. <laughs> I did, yeah. But I think I've worked out where we differ. So, because um, for me them being slow so my tactic with the distracting items was not when i could see anyone it so at one point there's a there's a point i can't remember the objective specifically but you have to go upstairs there are numerous levels to this house i think three levels and there's something up there that you've got to do and i kn- i knew i had to go up there to uh, poke around and get some clues and uh, but i also knew that felton was was up there so i uh, threw an item um, sort of down the hall, just on the level I was on, and it lured him down the stairs and and sort of into the distance. So then I just crept up the stairs, basically as a way of saying, get you out of there because I need to go upstairs. So it, it, I was never using them like when I could see people. I, I was using them when I wanted to see people, you know? Yeah, yeah. And maybe that benefited me a little bit more. Whereas I know you were the same as me, Adam, weren't you? Just never used them. Just never used them. I, did. I just thought they were 
absolutely pointless. I was just like, <laughs> nope, all I want is a sharp, pokey thing because they're the ones that seem to be used the most. Um, like I even remember at one stage turning on the radio by mistake and yeah. I hit some level of panic. <laughs> I was like, holy God, what have I done? What's going on? Like, I actually yeah, think yeah. I took my Shit. hands off the controller and I was like, oh no. <laughs> This is terrible. But like it it like it just it just it doesn't really work. It doesn't benefit you in any way for me, do you know? Like I, I like as I said there if they even designed it in a way that you could maybe create it out to be like home alone or something, like booby mm. traps or something like that. That would have been ideal. <laughs> would have been brilliant yeah. crack. But it's it's not the case at all. And the fact that you're so limited to, to whatever you take I just didn't care I was just like oh just pick that up whatever grand okay like you're not I was never thinking I would just mm. once I saw like a defensive item I was like brilliant yeah. that's all I really yeah. care about yeah. Um, but I just I just want to touch upon something as well when it comes to the stealth and just the general racket that goes on randomly right and we haven't mm. mentioned it yet how are you lads fixed for the most random occurrence of quick time events. Let's talk about it in the boom boom because I feel like it is, you know, because the the quick time events revolve around a lot, of, a lot of boom. It's a lot of very <laughs> aggressive. A lot of boom. A lot of boom. <laughs> uh, you know, one thing I wanted to touch on, and I think you even mentioned it earlier, Adam, talking about the size of this house and the, or at least in our playthroughs, again, Josh is brilliant. He never saw any characters. Like <laughs> 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 um, for. In my eyes, this game wants you to explore, right? Because yeah. it's, it's a big, yeah, big three-story mansion, a lot of different rooms, hidden compartments, etc., etc. And every objective is obscure. And I'm going to go into that later on more in depth and how these objectives are obscure. But in order to solve them, you do need to explore and figure things out. But... It, the game just, it wants you to know the Felton Mansion like the back of your hand. But how, yeah, how, yeah. how can I, if, if Felton is everywhere, at least for me? And yeah. because we haven't actually mentioned this yet, again, bring up Alien Isolation in Alien Isolation. You can only save at certain points in the game. Here, there are three in total save points in the game and that third one you get like right at the end well within reason a good bit towards the end basically there are mirrors on the wall and when you interact with them you get to save your progress not every mirror some and regenerate your health in fr- and regenerate your health yes so yeah and i i apologize about bringing up um you know alien isolation again because i i do want to point out big difference in you know creative assembly and store mind games big difference in budgets and all that so i do want to just mm. point that out i also want to say when we're bringing up the, the thing like like with isolation is that like alien isolation is 2014 this is this is this is twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a fair gap to kind of go, do you know what? No, like if you've played this game, like you need to kind of raise the bar up to that standard at least anyway, do you know. So mm. even though it's doing similar things, it's just it's just doing them so weird. It's just the <laughs> fact that it, it wants you to explore, but you 
it's at loggerheads with the tension, which I will also say, you know, is good. It, it, it is certainly you are on edge and, mm. you know, it is quite scary at, at the start. But when you're going, when the objective is like, find the place, you're going, all right, uh, where's the booth? <laughs> Where where, yeah. where where is the place? Okay, well, I'm going to have to explore the house now. And you, because you don't have an AK-47, because that would kill the tension, but then that also means I can't explore the house. And it's just, it's just, it, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't go together. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, if you are going to explore, no matter what floor you go to, you are going to be followed instantly. Like there, the enemy is with you on that floor within seconds. And, like, I, I actually tested this on purpose where I went up on, like, the, I think, like, the second floor or something. Like, as soon as you get to the top of the stairs, there's a couch you can go under or something like that. And I said, I'll wait here now. I know he's down there in that room. I'll wait up here. And he was just right behind me. He was right behind me, following me up the stairs. And I was like, there we go now. He's up here with me, too. And it's very frustrating. Like, the those save points that you're talking about, there's, like, one of those mirrors in particular. It's on the hallway with the door to the left that is into the grand hall and then there's like another room on the right. You spend so much time at that mirror and I spend so much time, once again, I've mentioned it before, in that cupboard, mm -hmm. in that exact hallway. I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm like that became that became the the part of the mansion I knew best. Like anytime I went to explore or anytime stuff kicked off, I knew how to get back there very quickly. And I know maybe that's what it's trying to tell you. That's what want, it wants you to be that way. But it was like, but there's there's certain areas of this mansion that I just can't get the time to see. And I don't know if you want me to or what, mm. but yeah, it's <laughs> so peculiar. Do you know what this game is missing? Uh, again, to compare it to another game, uh, it's missing a Resident <laughs> Evil safe room. It's missing a part of the house where you feel entirely secure that's a good point yeah that's that's mm. that is something it just doesn't have and and it would actually be really lovely i, I like it really helped um <clears throat> the evil within in fact that's funny because i thought i sort of thought they were going for did you guys play the evil within yeah yeah because it would they he sort of pays homage to it here They're like it the does. mirrors are the same aren't they like you get the, the same kind of cracking and stuff yeah. and it actually yeah. like the visual aesthetic is quite similar to the first Evil Within, I felt, yes, as well. Yeah, absolutely. But, of course, the funny thing was that Shinji Mikami, he did a classic little manoeuvre where you saw the mirror and you saw the light coming out of it, but you heard um, Claire de Lune. And every, when you heard Claire de Lune, you thought, oh, I'm safe. Oh, I, got, I got a minute where I can bring... And, and, and it's true. Yeah. I, I, you know, that was... If you do, if you never give the player that, if you always keep them absolutely stressed, eventually it has to just give way to like fatigue. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah. and that's what I, I think yeah. that's what we reached a little bit, isn't it? Just a little bit of frazzled. Like, oh God, just get through this now, you know. So do you know what? Let's let's take a moment to de-stress. Let's have a little bit of a break, and then we will be back in just a moment to talk about the boom boom. So let's talk about Remothered Tormented Fathers Boom Boom then, shall we? This is the part of the show where we discuss the things that aren't sneaky and stealthily. Um, that generally involves pretty much everything else. But, you know, we, we do have a miscellaneous area as well. But yeah, kind of more explosive, 
murder, whatnot. Not an awful lot of murder in this, to be honest. Murder done to you rather than, than everyone else. And you know what? That's probably as good a point to start as any. Something that you made reference to earlier, Adam. The QTEs that pop up without warning are fantastic crack. <laughs> fantastic. Because the game, the game introduces these without introducing them. They just happen, and that's that. <laughs> so, like, my mind goes to something like what Supermassive Games does. So, Supermassive Games, developer of Until Dawn and the Dark Picture Anthology, so on and so forth, right? Their games are essentially one large QTE. It's like, press this face button, flick this analog stick, so on and so forth. But they'll always introduce the concept by having their group of attractive 20-somethings playing a game of beer pong or something, where, oh, if you don't press triangle in time, the ball doesn't go into the red cup or whatever. Yes. Um, I think the first one here happens when you unlock a compartment on a grandfather clock, and after doing that, (laughs) a pipe comes flying down from the ceiling... (laughs) And if you're not paying attention, which I wasn't, that pipe will go flying through your eyeball and send you back to the last time you save the game. However, I, I did I did some detective work, right? Because even if you are paying attention, you, you would want to have lightning reflexes to uh, expect a button prompt at this point because it is the first time it's, it, it happened. But I, I went back to check how long that window is, right? So I was playing at 60 FPS and the button prompt is on screen for 72 frames. So that's like 1.15, 1.2 seconds. Oh, that's old school. That's like Shenmue quick time events. That's there. ludicrous. That is absolutely. That's a lot. Like that is so cheap. Yeah. It's so, it's, well, especially <laughs> when they don't even introduce it. Introduce it early on the game by having Rosemary, you know, a cup nearly rolls off of a table and you have to yeah. grab it quickly. Like you can do it in universe, but oh my God. Mm. I, I, and I think that when that happened, I, I don't know, did I lose like 20 minutes or something? I was oh like, oh, come on, God. come on. That's God. really rough. That's Or at least if they don't, I'm just trying to think back to Resident Evil 4, which is not a game we'll get round to on Stealth Boom Boom, really. But uh, in that game, they were quite good at, I can't remember if they introduced it to you in a tutorial, if that was in the days where it was just, well, you better have read the booklet, otherwise you're fucked. But I do remember that they would they would at least put you in a situation where it's like, it's a cutscene, and not only is it a cutscene, but it looks like it's a cutscene that's that's someone someone's about to lunge at you. So you never put the controller down. So at least then they set the stage. This, it's just fuck you. We're actually having twenty minutes back off you. Go and do that again. Yeah, it's it's cruel. It's brutal. Yeah, and that's that's the worst part about it. Like you know, like if not giving you any sort of indication that this is going to be a part of the game, and for it to be such a short thing, and then to be knocked off. Like, it could be 20 minutes, it could be half an hour. You don't know how long you were probably faffing around mm. the place, 
mm. like not knowing what to do and you were like alright I've just played like this game for an hour now haven't gotten anywhere but what I do know is that that hour was just a waste of time <laughs> and it's just yeah. it's 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 mental like because it did happen to me like when I went to that clock and it was like bang I was like I, I'm dead I, I'm dead and I just <laughs> I, I, I just I had no words. I just was like, okay, I'm going to win. I'm going to be a, a, a bit of a bastard now. Oh, don't you got it first time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I'm sorry to be this twice in this very episode where I've been a twat. <laughs> and I'm sorry to do it to you. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know why. Well, no, I do know why. I was playing on my Steam Deck, so there's no putting the controller down. So I was just holding it up to my face in bed. And... I didn't know it was in the game and I just went and pushed the button and it was it was much I think I actually jammed about three or four buttons at the same time but it worked anyway so I so yeah again just a bit of luck it's really annoying when games come down to that it's like well my playthrough I lost 20 minutes well my playthrough mm. I didn't you know it's kind of it is a, it is a bastard <laughs> I feel you're, you're minutes away now from telling us that you finished this entire game blindfolded <laughs> like I feel like that's going to call it next there were moments when I didn't want to look at the screen but that's not <laughs> quite the same thing <laughs> uh, I know one thing Adam talking about you know mm-hmm. restricting yourself somewhat you wanted to hold your breath in parts of this game or at least have a mechanic where there was something similar again another super massive games thing you think back to until dawn where it was like hold the controller as straight as possible so that you don't move uh, because yeah. there is a little mini game in this that is similar to that but there's nothing else yeah so this like this little mini game is just if the enemy just so happens to be outside of an area that you're hiding in, it's a circle and a little circle is inside that circle and you have to keep that little circle within the big circle. And what blows my mind about this little thing is it's just not challenging when everything else is. It's just like, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's there's no issue with it. It's just like, oh, this thing, it, it's not fun to do. It doesn't add any extra tension. Well, like first time round, I suppose you're like, yep. oh, what's this? But it's not like like Rosemary Reed's nerves are so high that all of a sudden it's going mental now and you're really having to watch out. Like mm. it's it's and once again, another missed opportunity there for that particular like mechanic. And every time it just came up, it always it always seemed to just drift to the left. So I was like, it's always going to the left. Just, just, just keep it, keep it to the right. And yeah, it was just an odd thing to once again put in there and have very little challenge. I didn't get it. I just didn't get it at all. One thing you got, Josh, in spades, bloody love the things, uh, the puzzles. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So I found that uh, I, you, as you go around, you, you tend to just hoover things up, like key, key items. You tend to just, I and mean, I have no idea what they're for. Um, but mm. you just and I like the flavor of them. It was quite fun. It was like you know classic Silent Hill, Resident Evil bullshit, where it's just like you found a battery or you you found a thing that winds up a grandfather clock. I'm just like brilliant, love it. Obviously, <laughs> uh, don't know what any of it's doing, but it's it's lovely. I love that. Or um, the thing that you use to <clears throat> to open the sewer grate. I think stuck in my head. It was like a length of, and you know just sort of stuff like that where it's like. It's a it's an absolutely bonkers logic, but 
I think one of the things, more than one, I think two or three times, it, it came upon a thing where it was like, oh, I've actually already got the thing. Like, I, do you remember the bit with the projector where you can watch yes. the... Yeah. Yep. So I actually, I think I already had the, the film on me when I got to that. And then, and then, and then I had to go and get something else to make it work, either a battery or something. So it was never for me anyway, it wasn't like, Oh my God, I've got no idea. It was always just, well, I'm poking around and I'll pick up something and I'll just sort of keep muddling through. Um, and a bit of, you know, stupid old abstract survival horror game, <laughs> game logic, but it did. Yeah, it did. It did give me a little sort of, Oh, that's nice. They're sort of, they're, you know, sort of paying their homage. Remind know, me about about that cable because I'm going to talk about <laughs> that later on when we're discussing okay. our the most noteworthy level or situation. Oh, and also just as a quick one, this is a bit cheeky. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but if could could one describe the boom boom in this game as the horror? given that it's not the stealth. Yeah, Because yeah. I would just say, I know I touched on it earlier because Adam was talking about it, but for that 40 minutes to an hour at the beginning, pretty good boom boom if you're talking about just being generally on edge and disturbed. I agree. The, the problem is, and it's something you alluded to, Josh, is that, and it's a problem that horror games are struck with often, is that if it goes on too long and you start mm. to frustrate the player, the, the horror goes. Like frustration replaces fear. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And yeah. whilst uh, there was frustration in, in certain cases that replaced my fear, but also I wanted to talk about the defense items and how they do mostly work. But again, you talk about things being at loggerheads with this game. I felt that once you figure out what defense items do, you're kind of okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, at any one point in the game, you can have up to three defense items, basically three knives on you at any one point. Can't carry any more. And you just see them, they're just scattered about the place, just knives, <laughs> knives on countertops everywhere. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you, can, you just pick them up. Um, and they're paramount to your survival because, as I said, based, so what happens is if you're caught by one of these stalkers, you get a prompt to mash the A button and then you press X. I was playing on an Xbox controller and then you're free. And they work because they are one use items because if Felton grabs you and you use a knife to stab him, that knife is gone. So you do still feel powerless in the face of your enemies. Like you haven't even the score. You've you've scored the equaliser, but it's ultimately been disallowed by VAR. You know, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I do think they do work. It's just the only thing that gives me some pause is that, as I mentioned, once you realise this, you do feel a sense of invincibility. All be you know temporarily, but mm. as soon as you pick up another knife, okay, I'm fine again because the knife will yeah, always yeah. work. Like. Definitely. Always. Yeah. 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 And there's, there's way more of them in, um, <clears throat> than I think it was, well, originally it was the remake of Resident Evil, but then it was also done again in the remake of Resident Evil 2 and I think 3 as well. It's the same mechanic in that you press L1. If you have a little dagger on you and a zombie gets you, you can press L1, not take any damage from the zombie, stab them and push them off. But in this game, 
way more defensive items than in Resident Evil, which is a kind of survival. So it wants to limit your ammo. Whereas in this, I think you're absolutely right, because in this, it was like, there's enough knives, you know, there's enough uh, like meat cleavers and stuff where, where you sort of feel, I'm okay to run about, to run around a bit. I'll, I'll find another one, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Josh, you praised the horror, and I, at least for that first hour, which I, I would agree mm. with. And I think part and parcel with that is the sounds. And like, uh, whilst I think the sound design when you're hiding from an enemy is poor, uh, I, I do think that the, the score is very atmospheric. And I know you do too, Adam Carroll. Yeah, I thought it was really good, to be fair. Um, starts off very strong, really nice kind of main menu music. And it does that whole, um, like when the title appeared, it was, like I was saying, my notes, it's very much like uh, the first Insidious movie where it just like launches the title and it's just like this horrific, like wailing kind of string section. And it, it's a cool start. And I think for the most part then, um, it works throughout. I... Like, I did say, though, that, like, every time you get caught and that chase begins, the initial stab strings are taking off. As cheap as that is, as repetitive as it is, it with headphones on, it forever gets me. I was just like, oh, brutal, terrifying. Let's go. Panic is in. Um, But when when the sound design takes over and, like, it, it, that is more terrifying than like any of the characters that are chasing you, it's it's a bit of an issue really because um that's just what happened to me. I, I, I was more scared of the the overall music as the game progressed. Now when I when I when I mention sounds here overall, um I'm not in the same level we get to it, but the voice acting, I'm not there within the same level as pray of praise for that. But uh, we'll get to that. Yes, plenty of time for that. But before we chat about that, uh, let's talk about what we consider to be the most noteworthy, I guess, in this game. You don't really have levels, but you do have missions and you do have areas. So, yeah, the most noteworthy mission or objective or area of uh, Remothered Tormented Fathers so, Josh, why don't you start us off? What, what for you stood out for good or bad reasons? <laughs> um, the bit that sticks in my mind as being maybe the, 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 the sort of the thing that defines the playthrough for me was the moment at which you um, are kind of ambushed by Felton and he uh, traps you, sort of ensnares you with a kind of... I think it's for like, you know, like sheep, where you have a little collar on a sheep and then a rod connected. I don't know what that's called, but a sheep hook. And he gets you on one of them and sort of pins you against the wall. And your objective is to just escape. Um, And at first, I actually have to say, I didn't really understand what was happening because the rod seemed to be floating. I didn't really understand how (laughs) he... I I, I wasn't understanding, like, the physics of the situation. It turns out that he'd somehow attached you to the wall. Anyway, you're sort of pinned up against the wall, legs off the floor, kind of choking but not quite, um, listening to him go on about stuff. And... um, your objective is to just escape and it's one of every now and again and the game will get you to mash l1 and r1 to i think it does it at one point with moths as well but you just sort of smash the buttons to escape so in terms of actual objectives nothing much just quite easy but the reason it sort of stood out in my head was i think it was the last time um 
in Remothered that I was actually scared. And I think after this point, it was just, eh. um, so you mash the buttons to uh, uh, drop down to the floor. You, you run away, uh, from Felton who chases you, uh, and you reach a door in the room. It's only like an L shaped room and you get to the door and you're panicking naturally. Cause it's still early enough. I mean, this yes. was, I mean, yeah. you know, within the first sort of chunk of the game. And then fr- from that door, in comes one of the second um, attackers. Let's call them, I guess. Uh, the figure of the we did have we have mentioned the nun. Yes, in this episode, have, yeah. haven't we? Yeah. So the figure of the red nun comes in with a big scary hat. Um, very, very we- much dressed for the occasion. Very much dressed for Smashing the occasion. Over. <laughs> yeah, with a spine as a weapon. I think a, a sort of model of a spine. Anyway, th- so she comes through the door and. I just remember feeling very much, um, this is scary. I don't know what that fucking nun is doing. <laughs> I don't know really what's, I still don't really know what's going on. This is utterly insane. It is quite scary. I'm panicking loads and I'm running away from these two things. And there's kind of a bait and switch at that point with Felton is no longer necessarily going after you. He too, it seems to be running and you're running confusion but the but probably the last time in the game that i was properly uh at, you know actually alarmed and scared because then after that i think it's turned a little bit stressful with the with the nun and then okay. i got a bit annoyed but yeah i get you i get you adam you mm-hmm. is it fair to say had a similar reaction to do well maybe not outright fear but just the the eerie sensation of the part of the game where you're in an attic. Tell tell us. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, you end up in an attic that is full, once again, of the classic setting of a ton of mannequins. And I think that, yeah, like I already mentioned this game on this episode of game, but I think Resident Evil 7 did this thing with the mannequins mm. as yeah. well. Yep. And look, it's just not pleasant every single time you walk into a room <laughs> full of mannequins. You're like, which one of them is coming alive? Which is going to jump out? <laughs> Who is it? And I'm looking at them and it's it, it is a pretty um, terrifying scene because I mean, it does jump out, obviously. But like it's the, the sound and everything at this particular moment is is frantic and not pleasant. And it's it's a bit wild. But um. It, it's just one of those one of those settings that I don't think like any person doesn't feel scared when they play it. Like, I think it's just, it's just naturally you're going to be terrified uh, going through this situation. But I very quickly just want to echo uh, what you were talking about there, Josh, as well, with the that particular scene with the hook. Um, mm. Because I'll be honest, that was that particular entire section was for me the most frustrating part of the entire game because <laughs> when I got off that hook and opened that door to the red nun returning from the Met Gala, I was like, Oh <laughs> my God almighty, what is happening? Um, and you run away, you run away and you're just following Felton. That's what I was doing anyway. I was like, where are you going? Cause we need to get away from this one. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, Oh, you're going downstairs. Okay, cool. Let's go. And in my head, I knew that there was like a hiding spot downstairs. I was like, I'll get down to no grand. But I actually got stuck in the kind of entrance of the, the stairs and like kind of like by the wall. And I, 
the red nun caught me, killed me, and I was put all the ways back to the the mirror in the hallway. And I mean, like, it, I had a bit oh, to do no. to go back all the way up to that hook area and go through the whole thing again. And honestly, oh, God. it was just, it was, it was once again, like the QTs, a moment that, yeah, I understand you're trying to give me tension and you're trying to scare me and make it frantic, but it's, it's unfair. It's just unfair mm-hmm. right now. And then when I got back to it again, no problem. I was all prepared for <laughs> grind. But like, mm-hmm. I just felt the lead up to getting off the hook and maybe running from Felton was more than enough for that moment. And then maybe, I don't know, the red nun hits me and then cuts in and then you wake up somewhere. I don't know. But like the running away, all that build up, Oh, I, I, I like when you put that in your notes, I was like, oh, Jesus, this scene. Oh, it's horrendous. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was a frustrating moment for me. And then the attic with all the mannequins was just a really cool moment. I think it's easy, but effective. One thing that I wanted to highlight was because, again, this isn't our, our, you know, it's not necessarily our, our favorite. But I just wanted to highlight one objective in the game, and that is as it is written in your menu, find a way to raise the grill in the basement. As I made, because uh, you were talking about a cable earlier on, Josh, um, that you pick up. Now, I, yes. I wanted to talk about this cable and the mission yeah. around it and how it shows that this game is far too cryptic for its own good. Because mm. again, the game wants you to discover things. It wants you to explore the mansion. I've spoken about my problems with that. But mm. now it is time to discuss another problem and how the objectives are far, far, far too vague. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's not really split up into levels or chapters. It's all just one continuous thing. I guess you could say, you know, it's every time you're presented with the cutscene, it kind of goes into another chapter. Mm. Uh, but... Basically, during the game, after you interact with specific objects that aren't highlighted until you're right on top of them, you're, you, you know, you pick up something, you do whatever, and it'll, the game will say things like, try to remove the object stuck in the drain pipe, or find whatever you need to activate the stairs controller in the basement, that sort of thing. So, let me tell you a story, lads. At one point in the game, you'll find yourself in the house's uh, dining room. You'll pick up a note that gives you backstory on Felton's former business partner, Professor Wyman. You find out that uh, Wyman killed himself after he'd been suspected to be involved in the disappearance of Felton's daughter, Celeste. It's important, right, that you know I didn't have a chance to survey the room before I mention the next bit. I came in and the first thing I saw was a note on the table and I picked it up, read the note, put the note back down on the table. Then, big crash. There's a scripted instance of a chandelier falling to the ground. Mm -hmm. When I put the note down, my camera wasn't pointing the way of the fallen chandelier. It was not pointing the way of the fallen chandelier or where there wasn't a fallen chandelier when I came in the room either. So I did not know. I just heard glass smashing and then in ran Richard Felton. So Mm. I obviously legged it out of there and looked for for refuge under a sofa, wardrobe, whatever, while being chased out of the room. 
It turns out that chandelier is pivotal in the find a way to raise the grill in the basement objective. Because at some point, a key ends up underneath a grate in the house's basement. You have to lift the grate to retrieve the key. And the thing is, the grate is too heavy because you can go down there, you can try lift up the grate yourself. And Rosemary Reed, who is, just a little side note, you know, the objective is to be very stealthy and try and be quiet. When she lifts the grate, she's like, ah! Like, <laughs> trying her hardest to lift the grate, screaming, can't lift it, it's too heavy. And the only way to open it is by attaching one end of the cable to this machine that's in the basement and the other end to the grate. You power up the machine. It's a sort of a pulley thing. Yeah. And yeah, then that raises the grate and then you have the key. And guess where the cable is? Yes, it's part of the broken chandelier that I didn't see falling from the ceiling because of camera placement. And I didn't have a chance to explore the room because I made a beeline for said note. And then as soon as I put that uh, note down, Felton came in flying with his sickle. So, guess who was banging his head against the wall trying to figure out what to do next? Mm. Yes, me, the man who didn't see the chandelier falling on the bastard floor. And there are just far too many examples of this happening where it's, it, it, it's like the game is aiming for ambiguity in its objectives, obviously. Yeah. It's just very, you know, yeah, do this thing, whatever. We won't tell you how, you'll figure it out. You know, while they're smoking their fag and eating their baguette. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it's not about holding my hand or having a big flashing arrow on the floor. But I feel there's a happy medium between those two things. There, mm. there, there, there yeah, must yeah. be. Mm. Like, maybe I'm on an island here and maybe both of you are like, oh yeah, the chandelier <laughs> fell on the floor. I mean, Josh, no, 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 because... No, I get that, I do. <laughs> no, no, because I, like at the same time, like, Silent Hill is a quite is quite vague in those kind of things, mm. but like you 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 get there, you get there. Do you know what I mean? But uh, uh, it's funny you bring up the chandelier thing because I I wouldn't say I was like, oh, what's going on here? It came a lot quicker to me because I was getting chased. Like the chandelier happened, and then I was just running, and I kind of did a kind of a circle back around, and I was like, bang, opening door, bang, open door, and then as I was con- coming around the chandelier thing. The icon of like the puzzle piece, which means this is an essential item, popped up and I was like, what's that? And I was like running away still. I was like, I'll get back to you later. And so I was kind of in my head going, that's something I need to figure out. But um, I, I totally like, it's so on point what you're saying. Like I didn't even clock it that when the chandelier drops, you are like you're directed the other way and you just go. It is so true. Like it's not like something slams and you see a little diamond thing flickering or anything like that. No, no, no. It's just like, just, You've caused chaos, run away, run away. And, and I think at the risk of sounding like I never want to be, uh, I, it's always a bit dicey when you play like armchair video game developer. So I'm, I'm not going to do that. Mm. But it it does seem to me, the um, the person who's never developed a game, that you you one could just get the camera to look at a thing yes. and just have a little orange prompt. Like I know, you know, developers might be laughing at how impossible that, that is and I might sound silly, but, you know, it's like, it's just a little bit of uh, t- telegraphing, right? And other games yeah. manage to do it and, yeah. Well, well, like, it would have been, like what you're saying, like, you know, if it did smash on the ground and then the camera just like kind of goes, oh, look at that there, oi. Like, it's kind of a nod to old school survival horror games anyway. So, it would have been no harm to just do that for just the kind of nod. Yeah. 
Oh, it's really what Resident Evil did. You know, you push the statue off the balcony, yeah. it smashes, there's a gem in the vase. It just gives you the camera cuts. Now, of course, you know, I know Resident Evil uses all those lovely, like, static camera angles, but still, it's like the, the developers were like, we're going to give you a close-up of the ruby that was inside that smashed pot you just smashed, just in case, you know. And if, <laughs> maybe if the player goes, oh, I don't need a close-up, guys, maybe that's a, a lesser crime than what happened to you, Cullen, because if it, it's always a little bit better to go, oh, enough with the hand-holding than it is to go, I've I got absolutely no clue what to do here and it's been 20 minutes and I'm, I'm getting annoyed. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yes. it's tough. Yes, very much so. Um, but yeah, that is the most noteworthy parts of the game that we, we noted at least. So let's talk, boy howdy, let's talk about this story. Now... I I feel like I spoke enough there, so I, I maybe shouldn't start now, but I have an awful lot to say about this. Josh, why don't you start us off before I put the boot in? <laughs> well, I think there's there's a, a minor point and a, and a major point. Um, the, the minor point is that it, it's uh, quite incomprehensively told... It's obviously very, very, very hokey. Oh, I found anyway. If you guys, if you guys got it, fair enough. But um, <laughs> oh no, there, yeah, there was, it, it, it is. <laughs> there was yeah. just so, so many things that were happening that was like I got the sense that the game w- was doing a you know a sort of rug pull and going ha ha, it's actually this, and I'm going but I still haven't figured out the first thing that you wanted me to think that it was. I don't know what's going on here. And then, and actually Rosemary's a nun and actually she burnt a building down years ago and, and, and loads of names as well. This is Celeste, but then there's Jennifer and then there's this and there's that. As oh, they killed who? And uh, okay. And, and then there's Wyman and, oh, and they had a business deal and they were working on such and such a thing in the 1950s. And I, Oh, God, right, okay. But how does Maggie Smith tie into all this? Because at the beginning of the game, <laughs> there's like a flash. It's like, it's like a framed narrative, basically, where we see uh, Rosemary Reed as, a, as, as an elderly lady. And um, which, by the way, doesn't. I mean, there's only, that's, that's only 30 years. Like, well, I don't know why she'd be suddenly 90. I believe that's not Rosemary Reed. Ah, oh, okay. However, I would say the conclusion you came to makes total sense. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> Be- because it, it does seem like this, uh, yeah, an elderly lady, the game is bookended, beginning and the very end, an elderly lady is recanting this story to a younger man that I don't think you see. No, yeah. So, and it would make sense if that was Rosemary Reed. Yeah. However, I believe it isn't. And do you believe it isn't because you've gone on the internet and looked at stuff? Is that what's going on? I, th- I think when I was looking up stuff for our quiz, I uh, think I saw that it's not, yes. Okay, all right. Well, fair enough to you. Well, the the, the stuff I was given in-game w- 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 was baffling, basically. And and even at the very end, there was stuff that was going on. Um, And there's a certain amount of stuff that I can just forgive. I think if you just want to do an absolutely bonkers, I mean you know, Silent Hill 1, for, for, for example, there's some nutty shit that goes on in that game. And I, and I defy anyone to sort of know its ins and outs 100%. I mean, you know, you're learning about 
cults from 50 years ago and the town was founded. I mean, there's a lot of bollocks and it's glorious bollocks. It's, you know, it's B-movie bollocks. It's, 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 you know, you sort of think, oh, I don't really know what's going on, but it's all good stuff. It's all, it's all pulpy horror, you know, stuff. In this though, you know, there are, like, you really get that sense where this um, Chris Darrell fella, I think does sort of fancy himself as a bit of a kind of, auteur i got the sense from some of the interview and you know so there are like big moments where i think oh the game does like want to tell this story it is like really interested well like way more interested than like resident evil is frankly and 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 even silent hill and and i'm just not am i not picking this up because it's so badly told or am i not picking it up maybe because i've actually stopped caring and that's and that that was a big problem but then uh, I think maybe the the elephant in the room, which we've not come so to like, yet. So, like, yeah, I, I mentioned this off the top, but to remind listeners, late on in the game, it's revealed that the secondary antagonist, who is the masculine presenting pensioner that you meet at the start of the game, is a cis woman that was forced to transition by their father when they were young. I will say that, and it is important to say, media and art including horror, can approach and include all sorts of topics. It, it mm. can and it should, and that includes something like forced transition. The thing is that here, firstly, it has nothing to do with the overall story. Really. Like, the, the story of this game involves disputes between business partners, a missing daughter, um, power dynamics, perhaps, between the haves and the have-nots. Uh, and what the haves will do to the have-nots with regards testing drugs on them and whatnot. I, I, I don't know. It, it's probably not even really right to call Felton a trans character as such. No. Because they were forced to live their life as a man. Yes, but that doesn't stop. Well, yeah, sorry, go but, on. Oh, yeah. no, no, totally. Like, like, like two points here. One, Felton living their life as a man is going to be portrayed or are not portrayed but um interpreted by most as a trans character and thus the problems with the next thing i'm going to say still all true because two a character that has transitioned is used as shorthand for crazy yeah well yeah like there's no interest in actually looking at the concept of forced transition or anything about that and this is about 45 minutes or so before the end of the game, maybe an hour or so, there's a cutscene uh, that plays that's, I don't, is it meant to rattle the most boring of teenagers? There's lo- thinks Marvel movies are artistic endeavours rather than commercials for toys or whatever. <laughs> like, for those that didn't play the game, the protagonist, Rosemary Reed, finds a box of Felton's belongings and in it, they find a birth cert with the name Jennifer Richardine Felton on it. Uh, the protagonist then realises that Felton's father had forced them to live as a man. And that's why Felton, which you had learned previously, but that's why Felton started calling their daughter Celeste by the name Jennifer. I'm, I'm going to play audio from the cutscene itself. So I will say, if it's not something you want to hear, skip on about a minute here's uh, the audio of what you see when uh, rosemary reed finds the birth certificate jennifer richard dean felton split personality 
unhealthy upbringing by deceased father. I was a disappointment to him. A wimp. Overdose of hormones and testosterone. I once or twice refused to go through exams. This is why he wouldn't go further through exams. They would have understood. Now I understand why he was obsessed with his growing daughter, and why he started calling her Jennifer. She was everything his father never wanted him to be. Like, I, I, I want to point out, because people listening obviously not seeing it, while you as the player see the protagonist come to this conclusion, you're also seeing the person you knew as Richard Felton put on a dress, a wig, apply lipstick, and all of this is done in a way that, again, we're talking about forced transition here. All this is done in a way that is certainly not sympathetic. Like, you, you heard yourself. It's scored to eerie horror music, you know? And then as soon as that cutscene is over, Jennifer Felton is then chasing you around a wine cellar with a nail gun. And even when Jennifer is chasing you around that wine cellar, the objective clearly for the player is to remember them as Richard. Because after all, you had spent the whatever it was, five, six maybe eight hours if you kept on getting unfairly punished on saves and whatnot. But you spent a couple of years prior or the couple of hours prior running around the Felton house being called a bitch, a whore, Mm. a slut, everything by Richard. So in other words, gendered insults for women. So trying to paint Felton as unhinged or, I mean, almost jealous maybe of the life that they perceive Rosemary Reed of living. So it's just this, this lazy, mm. offensive, harmful, other equals monster. And I think, you know, one of the things, because I don't, I mean, and I know Soedesco have responded to one of the videos that we, you know, watched in the run up to this. I don't know if you guys saw that because one of the comments on, I think it actually, I think it was the one, the, the interview that we were talking about earlier with Chris Darrell. Um, and one of the comments, you know, people just said, oh, it's such a shame that it's, you know, pretty transphobic. It's got some some pretty nasty stereotypes in there. And so Desco obviously uh, jumped in and said, you know, that's not the intention and that's not the intention. And I don't know, I'm not going to play guessing games as, as to like what the intention is of Chris Darrell. I don't know Chris Darrell, but what it feels like to me is uh, someone who didn't put much mm-hmm. thought in and 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 but 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 someone who is very keen to if i was being charitable someone who is so swept up in um paying homage because there's an awful lot of nods in this game to all sorts of other things and one of them is unfortunately the it's it's the classic uh it's the gender bender villain sort of stereotype where you, you kind of like buffalo bill in the silence of the lambs i was going to bring right? it up yeah yeah and i think it doesn't necessarily what's the result is lazy and i think the result is certainly offensive and of course it goes back to psycho as well with norman bates and his mother and all that sort of stuff so i don't i don't i don't know and i'm not going to presume but i don't i'd like to i don't think it was set out to be yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really, um, 
you know, hammer, hammer I, I, you know, I don't like, uh, tra- I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to attack trans people in this way. I just think, it, well, I think it's thoughtless. It, it seems to me like a lack of, of thought and a sort of, well, that's what's gone on in horror movies. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do that. It, it's not smart whatsoever because like, as you're saying, like the, 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 the kind of nods to Psycho and things like mm-hmm. that, Science of the Lambs, they are all there. But like, before doing this, like I was looking up other interviews with him and stuff and what he like what was he saying about it like and he he always just mentions the movies like that's all he's going on about mm. now the whole like italian scene that he like that he's talking about like the the giallo scene and stuff and yeah like you know argento polanski all these things mm. they're all there i suppose in little bits like i don't think like it's very strongly put there but i think he's taken back by those movies that he has watched, especially actually like a lot of um, a lot of the Italian movies in general, they have these kind of like mental twists, like, you know, and turns yeah. that are just like, they don't even make sense in the plot, you know, and <laughs> yeah. you just kind of go, you just go, oh, sure, that was mental, but you know, it, what did that have to do with the story? And that's mm. kind of what's going on here. You have this shock factor, but I don't think to him he's seeing how it can be so offensive and that is what it is like like uh, like if you're if you're talking like psycho he he mm-hmm. brings up how he loved hitchcock and stuff mm-hmm. psycho is there norman bates dressing up as his mother but you know this the aggressive kind of like language that's being used is is out of place and um it's just it just it just it doesn't add up it's just more like like when it was revealed for me i went well okay and it does take time cuz you just don't expect it but that's really what I think he's going for. He was just going for that, like, that twist. Like you brought up Silence of the Lambs, Josh. Now, the obvious Silence of the mm. Lambs comparison, and we all noticed it straight away, because how could you not? I was playing the game, and my girlfriend walked in and said, what's Jodie Foster doing on the television? Like, the, the, the Rosemary <laughs> Reed in this, and it's, it's not even that she's the head off of Jodie Foster. She's the head off of Clarice Starling. Yeah, yeah, specifically, specifically, yeah. Yeah, she's wearing the outfit when she goes to meet Hannibal Lecter for the first time. Yeah, and, and actually the game takes place in 1992, which is the year that Silence of the Lambs came out. The, the other uh, Silence of the Lambs comparison is the one that you alluded to, Josh. In Silence of the Lambs, you have Buffalo Bill. Now, mm. Buffalo Bill is a serial killer, skins their victims, then after murdering them, or they skin their victims after they murdered them, excuse me, to create a, quote, woman suit. That's in the film. Yeah. And yeah. while in the movie, Sterling mentions to Hannibal Lecter, I don't know if you remember this, because I didn't until, and I'll tell you in a minute, but Sterling mentions to Lecter, I don't know the exact quote, but it's, it's, she says something that trans people don't inherently pose a threat to society, something along those lines. A lot of people, because it is a sort of a throwaway line. If you mentioned the Buffalo Bill people, they remember him applying makeup. They remember the song. They remember him dancing. They remember his dog. Yeah. And yeah. I, I say all this because there are plenty of people out there who will be able to speak far better than I on these on these topics. One is uh, a, I don't think she's still a YouTuber, but she was. And it was actually my other half who, who told, when I was telling her about this game, she said, oh, you, should, you might be interested in this video. There's a YouTuber called Lindsay Ellis who did a video called Tracing the Roots of Pop Culture Transphobia. And it's terrific. Cover, it covers Buffalo Bill. It covers 
Ace Ventura, like it's not just horror covers, uh, Ace Ventura, Naked Gun, so on and so forth. But I'm not saying Remother Tormented Fathers is the first to position a character that's transitioned as a big bad villain, nor will it be the last. And there was one more clip I, I wanted to play. This is from the interview we spoke about earlier. You mentioned it a while ago, Josh, the one uh, Daryl did with the distributor of the game mm, yeah, yeah. at Gamescom. So this is Daryl talking about the themes of Remother Tormented Fathers. You can see from Remother that uh, Remother is not only horror. He explores a lot of different situations from life, the mind, all the mind illnesses, the, 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 the fears of being alone to be uh, orphan children, uh, but also there's the, the, the gender problems and uh, all the relations with the science in contradiction to the religion. Now, the reason I wanted to play that was... Kind of to what you were saying, Josh, uh, and I, I, I can't say this for definite, of course, but I don't believe Chris Darrell made this game with the intention of being nasty towards trans mm-hmm. people or people who had transitioned mm-hmm. or anything like that. I think they did it very, very fucking poorly. So whilst I don't think... It was intentional. It was still so, so bad. You just can't tackle like that type of subject and have it so, so loose and so just so wrong. Very quickly as well, like want to say, like um, we were bringing up the, um, the, the Jolie Foster thing and stuff. Like there was another interview I saw as well. Like, and this just goes to show you like how I feel like he was just making this game. And once again, just going, I love all of these things that I've seen and I'm going to just constantly say that they're all in this mm-hmm. game and try and put in all these twists and turns that I've seen in, in movies as well. But like when he, the, one of the interviews says to to him about like, oh, look, it has to be like clearly Jolie Foster is who you're taking from Science of the Lambs and this. Have you heard that? And he, he apparently says uh, something on the lines of, yes, it's, uh, it's one of those things um, that I have heard, but it, there's also... Dana Scully from X-Files there's also Boom Boom and he mentions oh, like right, five right. other people <laughs> so I feel like he's so he was so heavily focused on these things that he's just not really seeing the, the, the bigger picture it's just it's shock and just like homages to things that he loves but then you kind of go oh dude you really touched upon that very badly yeah, yeah. and as Cullen pointed out as well I think you're not actually interested in doing that. You're not actually interested really in an exploration or even in a kind yeah. of redemptive arc for that guy. Really what you wanted was a twist like Norman Bates. Really what you wanted was shock factor. And I don't know, maybe you got that for 30 seconds, but I just think the cost of that is quite unfortunate and a little bit, ugh. You, you've half yeah. reminded me of uh, Felton's death because... After it's revealed that Felton's nurse is the true villain of the piece, you get a scene where Rosemary Reed, you as Rosemary Reed, are tied up in a chair and the the nurse kind of gives a monologue and so on and so forth. And then the nurse just cuts cuts Felton's tongue clean off, orders them to start pouring petrol all around this room. You then as Reed 
I think with the uh, left bumper, right bumper, like you were describing with the moths, Josh, uh, I think it's the same type of thing. You have that input, you do that, you break free from the chair, and then in a cutscene, you fling your Zippo at Felton, you burn them alive. The rest of the house doesn't go up in flames, but, you know, this we're splitting hairs. That's not the worst part of this. Um, <laughs> Felton is burned alive. Then Reed walks over to Felton and is like, oh, oh, God. Oh, look, there's some sort of elevator crank. That's handy, probably. Yeah, I should take that. And then leaves. Like, it is, yeah. it is, the, the Felton character is not explored at all. And is just, yeah, you get this, you find the birth certificate. It's meant to make the player go, what? And then, yeah, mm. you just kill them callously. And mm. for an elevator crank, yeah, for the sake of an elevator crank, yeah, yeah, really and truly. If you left out the whole Felton, which it should have been left out, the, the actual story, it's it's fine, it's yeah. fine, yeah, it's a horror story, I guess. You know, the, the cult thing and the nuns and everything like that, but like, nah, the Felton thing, I, it, I, I have looked at the feedback on it, and it did, it did cause a stir, like, absolutely cause a stir, like, a lot of people were not pleased about it whatsoever and rightfully so I wish I'd known yeah. about it before because when you just googled the game I didn't find anything just awful just awful but let's talk about something that's a little bit lighter and that is the voice acting Adam you loved it I loved it <laughs> um oh just um what was going on? What was going on? And I'll just say straight off, look, I don't, I, I hate really criticising voice actors and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, what was up with the, the voice of Reed starting off? I didn't really get, I know that it was, it, it, it kind of was going for a Jodie Foster thing mm. once again. Yeah. I felt that was there, that kind of little twang. But um, if I'm honest, I don't know really if, the performances are the issue or... Oh, listen, it's a, uh, for me, it's a combination. It's, it's everything. It's everything. I have a clip of the first time that Reed and Felton meet. And I thought the two of you would like to relive that. And also mm-hmm. for the people at home, mm-hmm. I think it's important for context. So I want to point out, I haven't edited anything. This is raw because there's one point I want to make after this is played. So... Have a listen to this. The first time Reed and Felton meet. Do you believe in God, miss? Well, it would be too easy, wouldn't it? I believe in people's willpower. Everything else is not God, but an aptitude or mankind's cruelty. This is the kind of fairy tale I prefer at my age. When you're worn out from an incurable disease, you start having some doubts. Why is there so much life in such small but lethal creatures? An arbiter. That's all we need. For what? It's wrong and crazy. It's human nature. That same nature in which we are equals to those ants eating each other. But pardon me, I forgot my manners. Please sit down. Dr. Reed, I suppose. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Felton. Pleased to meet you. After about 43 seconds of completely believable dialogue that two people would have with each other... That's when they introduce themselves. I do love that delayed introduction. They were so swept up in the magnitude of the topics being discussed. Human nature. Do you believe in God? (laughs) (laughs) Can I just say, though, 
I have a soft spot for that. And I know because it is shit, but anyone <laughs> who has played, you know, the original Resident Evil with the FMV sequences or even, yeah, yeah, you know, the, uh, the, the first Silent Hill is not terrific, but there is a certain legacy of just... This is, you know, this is borderline funny. I don't really understand. Were they telling the actors to be bad? Like, <laughs> what's going on? I mean, <laughs> but and so there is that sort of pulp schlocky, like, oh, this is, it's bad. It's funny. Um, but actually, mechanically, it's scary for a little while. So I don't mind too much. But it, mm. yeah, I, I, and also, and I, I, I did kind of want to touch on, I, I know that it's a, it's a small budget thing. I know we don't have the info on the budgets, but you can just tell that it's a small budget thing mm-hmm. and it's so Desco. it's not a massive publisher I, I don't want to criticize too much if these aren't you know named actors and this and you know there wasn't an awful lot of money to go to go around you know i i do kind of respect to to, to a, if you can't afford the, the nice things that come with a with a big old you know wadge of cash then then fair enough to you i mean having said that this was especially bad and there are other lower budget games that aren't quite as maddening as this um but yeah i just wanted to say that. i don't i don't out now uh hate on it i sort of think well, at least there's a nice little history of uh naff horror shite which this is sort of tapping into <laughs> <laughs> mm. yeah it, it, it is it is i know what you're saying it is kind of intimate because to be honest that same that same kind of conversation that happens flies off the handle so <laughs> yeah, quickly so quickly they are just going at it out of nowhere and everyone's screaming and it's it is an entertainment but um it's just not great, though, is it? Like, and there's a huge problem with the sound uh, in it. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, that's it's, it's actually, wild. that's, that is a separate point. I know, Cullum, you made a point about, a point about this, is that obviously outside of the performances and the writing, there are actual audio uh, problems which, uh, I mean, in the mix, you know, the, the, the kind of the way things are synced up. I just want... Well, yeah, yeah let, let's, on, let's kind of get on to <laughs> the, the final section. Miscellaneous, if there is anything that doesn't really fall into any other category. And yes, one thing I wanted to bring up was the mixing, the audio <laughs> mixing. It is atrocious. And I, <laughs> I cannot stress that enough. And thankfully, I have the aid of another clip here. This is the first time that Reed meets Felton's nurse, Gloria Ashman, who turns out to be the Red Nun and the main villain, so on and so forth. And what you're going to hear is a character opening a door, then attempt to close said door. It's just, just have, have a listen, have a listen to this. Good evening, Miss am- Reed. You already told me at the intercom, and as I already told you, Mr. Felton is no longer a patient at the center of the institute. I came here. <laughs> and again, I, 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 I sympathise with what you're saying, Josh, and I, I, that's why I wanted to say it off the top as well. This isn't Alien Isolation. This isn't made by Creative Assembly, published by Sega, or a Resident Evil with Capcom money, or anything like that. Mm. And I want to stress that point. However, in that same token, we will be talking about other independent horror games that don't run <laughs> yeah. into these issues. 
Like, yeah, that's, for sure. What's going on there? <laughs> <laughs> did you get the, one of the things that I um, did? You get, I, I actually mentioned it earlier briefly, but I just wanted to, you know, the moment at which uh, uh, Rosemary pulls, try attempts to pull the grate with her hands. Yes, uh, when she, before she has <laughs> the thing, and she pulls it and doesn't make any headway with it. And it must have given way or something because she sort of flies backwards. And for a start, that's funny because she flies backwards with quite a bit too much force. She sort of flies a few feet backwards in, in, like onto her and she sort of screams. And it's like, it's like the thing that happened wouldn't really make you scream, especially in a situation where you're aware that screaming will result in your death, probably. <laughs> uh, just, just, it's that weird jet lagged people are reacting to things in ways that don't make sense and that's really funny for some reason i just wanted to put that out there that moment i was laughing for about 30 seconds i actually had to pause it after when the play resumed because i was still laughing (laughs) you're trying to be quiet why are you just screaming? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's wild. It's wild. Mm. But that door is is mad as well. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, but yeah. uh, enough on the sound. I know, Adam, you wanted to talk about how it looks as well. Yeah, I just want to quickly say that, like, I just didn't think it looked great. I, I know that, like, like, look, once we don't know the, the, the money that went into it and stuff, but I just felt for... For a 2018 game, this this looked like um, Josh. We said it. It kind of not to say that Evil Within looks rough. I think Evil Within it, its visual mm. really suits that game. Like you know, it's supposed to look nasty and dirty and stuff. But I think I think this game was supposed to look rather colorful in ways, and like it it barely barely touches upon that like if you take the red nun for example it's the most extravagant mm-hmm. outfit design of a character ever it's like whoa <laughs> yeah. this is unexpected and it's never to be seen kind of like that again there's even one scene in particular where um uh one moment of gameplay which looks great kind of cool uh where the lights go all out in the entire mansion and you have to get to, like a generator and you're walking down a hallway and you can see a flickering red light. Oh, and I yeah, thought that yeah. looked pretty cool. Um, do you know, it just those kind of moments were just that that was mm. all really of it. And then the animations of the characters and, do you know, any sort of like there was a lot of frame rate mm. issues. I felt like it was it like for me anyway, I know we were, we were saying we played it on different um, different consoles and stuff. But uh, for me, like, do you know, there was frame frame mm. rate issues and. A lot of textures looked just really ugly, and for for a, a game that apparently was designed with the love of Italian cinema, like as I said, like Jello is supposed like it's supposed to be all about pop, like massive mm. pop and color and things like that. Like it, it basically means yellow. Mm. That's what Jello means, and like Dario Gento's movies are all that kind of style, and there's just very little of it. It just looks very brown and kind of washed mm. out and it it's kind of bizarre that the game looks that way given the the love mm. he has for certain things so that's our thoughts on remothered tormented fathers but before we summarize said thoughts and give our verdict lads 
it's time to play a quiz. And a quiz with a name. Lads, I've brewed up some tea. Oh yeah. Yes. Every episode of Stealth Boom Boom sees me test the gaming knowledge of my co-hosts, Adam, Carol and Josh Wise, with a simple quiz I like to call... Trivia Espionage Action. Yes. We have a name and it is no thanks to me. Uh, it is all Josh Wise. Adam Carroll was no use either. Josh Wise was the man on this. And a fantastic name it is. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna try to give you, because I went down a bit when trying to explain it, so I'm going to try and condense that a little bit. So the quiz will consist of questions related to the game we've just discussed today. That, of course, is Remother Tormented Fathers. Each participant will be given three questions. Each question is three stages. Stage one, the competitor gets no hints, but they get uh, three points if they get the question right. Stage two, they get four multiple choice options. And they get two points if they answer it correctly here. And stage three, those four multiple choice options are halved to two points. And they get one point if they get it here. The competitor has only one chance to submit an answer. If they're incorrect, the question is offered to the other competitor. And if the other competitor answers correctly, they get the points. Everyone clear? Yes. Yes. Oh, we need to decide who goes. Well, who's who's winning so far? Oh, well, Josh is... You are right. We did say that actually last week. We would allow... I think it's winner stays on rules. So, Josh, you won last week. So, would you like to go first oh, or second? I will go second this week. Please. So, Adam Carroll, your, your first question is as follows. Prior to the development on this particular iteration of Remother Tormented Fathers, Chris Darrell began making the game using a version of RPG Maker. What year did development begin on the original version of Remothered? For three points. Can I guess multiple choice, please? You can. Okay. So that changes this to two points. So your options are... A, 2007, B, 2010, C, 2015, or D, 2001. For two points. Uh, I am going to pick B, 2010. Is that your final answer? It is. I can tell you, Adam Carr, that B, 2010 is incorrect. Right, I give up on life again. Josh Wise, the question is passed over uh, for two points. I am going to say that he started development in two thousand and seven. Oh, wait, yeah, start yeah started development in two thousand and seven in RPG Maker. Is that your final answer? Yes, indeed, it is. A 2007 is correct. Josh yes. Wise, two points on the board. <laughs> uh, so let's see if you can continue on this momentum, Josh, uh, with your first question. So, for three points, voice actor Helen McRae voiced Rosemary Reed in Remother Tormented Fathers. 
But can you name the Academy Award nominee that Chris Darrell supposedly wanted to get in to voice the character initially? Uh, I have oh god no idea but it's gonna be someone um, you can you can pass and go for multiple choice and then the question will of course be offered for two points oh should I just take a punt or should I I I will get it so that it multiple choice please okay so uh, here are your choices of Academy Award nominees. Is it A, Laura Linney, B, Virginia Madsen, C, Catherine Keener, or D, Patricia Clarkson? Uh, I don't know if Virginia Madsen is an Academy Award nominee. She's a bloody good actress, so she probably is. Um... And she was in Candyman. Oh, man. Uh, Virginia Madsen, B, please. Is that your final answer? Uh, Yes. B, Virginia Madsen is correct. Oh, yes! Josh Wise with five points on the board. (laughs) Virginia Madsen was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Sideways. Sideways, of course. Of course, and she was brilliant. Actually, don't I only have four points, though? Because it's only worth two when you do the multiple choice, right? Oh, my God. You're keeping me honest. Thank you very much, Josh. Yeah. Oh, oh. (laughs) How are you doing, Colum? (laughs) Jesus. Huh? Josh, thank you for being honest. Uh, oh God, Adam Carroll. I apologise profusely, and my apology includes includes your second question. For three points, it's revealed late in the game that Felton's nurse Gloria Ashman is the red nun that is chasing you. Indeed, she was a nun along with Rosemary Reed in the exact same convent. Name that convent. I need the multiple choice Okay, so we turn this three-pointer into a two-pointer So your choices are as follows A. Cristo Morente B. Cristo Ariana C. Cristo Vivas Or D. Cristo Del Piero I shouldn't have gone for the multiple choice It's A. Cristo Morente Is that your final answer? I just need... It's absolutely my final answer because it was Morente that I needed. I knew the Christoph part. I'm right, aren't I? I'm right, aren't I? I got a points, Christo didn't I? Morente is correct. Adam Carroll, you have points on the board. Come on, Klein. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, uh, so it means dying Christ in Latin. Oh, uh, that's nice. Little, nice little note nice there and, Nice and cheerful. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Josh Wise, your second question for three points. An experimental pharmaceutical drug created to treat war veterans suffering from PTSD was tested on the nuns at Cristo Morente. What was the name of that (gasps) drug? This is bonkers, and I actually apologise, but it's phenoxyl. Is that your final answer? Yeah, it actually is. And I'm sorry, I don't know why I know that, but I just do. A 
Phenoxyl is correct. <laughs> I'm so uh, sorry. I have no idea. It it just stuck him. It was one of the ridiculous points of the plot, and I just remember that because yeah. they're all about moths, and moths went yeah. into the making. Who knows what they were on about? But yeah, so there you go. Phenoxyl just really stands out. <laughs> Especially when it's being explained when they're lying on the ground and that conversation at the end. Adam Carroll, you can't win, sadly, but you can, you know, you can guess. Oh, thanks, Colm. You can, you, you can lose by fewer points. Well, you're giving away more points. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do a sort of an overall table, maybe, with the points, perhaps. A kind of a, a, a Taskmaster series standings type of thing. Uh, Adam Carroll, you're... you're third and final question for three points is as follows. Chris Darrell has previously said that Tormented Fathers wasn't the original subtitle of Remothered. Can you tell me what was? No, I need multiple again. Okay. For, For two points, multiple choice options. Is it A, The Nun, B, The Daughter, C, the gardener, or D, the professor. I just want to very quickly point out as well, we we are yet to have somebody go down to the third stage, which is where you 50-50 the, the options. I'm not, I'm not saying to do that. I'm just saying that is an option if you wish. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And you probably want to do that there for fun. <laughs> No, no, you can, you can. If if you feel like you know it from those four, please. Well, there's two, there's two there now that stand out. That it has to be one of those ones because, like, you know, one of them is like given. Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna say it's the nun, but I'm not gonna be surprised if it's the other thing. Is that your final answer? It is my final answer. It better be right column, and I better get six points. Adam Carroll, a the nun. Is incorrect. I can't believe it. That's just stupid. That's just stupid. Uh, As Chris Tarrant would say, yeah, yeah. Just out of curiosity. I know I know you've just lost half a million quid. But what was your other option? What were you what were you thinking? Well, the next one it would have been the daughter. Well, in fair okay, you would have went away with nothing either way then. Uh, because the correct answer is C the gardener. That's a terrible name. It is. I and and when you said that, Adam, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go. I would I would go with those two things as well. The nun and the and the daughter. What does the gardener have to do with it? <laughs> Where's the gardener? It's no the, gardener. The only the, the only thing I can think of is I guess when uh Felton is walking around like in the first half or first three quarters, uh two thirds of the game. Are they, I guess it's a sort of a gardening apron. Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> oh, look, I, 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 I'm, I'm looking He looks more like I'm, a I'm naked butcher. <laughs> he does have a sickle. A sickle, a sickle is a kind of agricultural tool, isn't it, I suppose? You wouldn't be sickling meat. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, Josh Wise, your <laughs> final, final uh, question here. Yes. For three points. Initially, the game had a different introductory chapter where you played as a different character. So not Rosemary Reed. Okay. Can you tell me the name of that character? Can I please have my choices? Of course you can. For two points, your multiple choices are A. Albert Elias Wyman 
B. Jennifer Felton C. Gloria Ashman or D. Celeste Felton Oh my goodness um, Can you actually do the other thing We're at 50-50 please Oh, okay uh, I genuinely don't know with this one mm. uh, Your two choices are B. Jennifer Felton mm-hmm. or D. Celeste Felton I'm going to go... Oh yeah, it could actually. I'm gonna go with Celeste Felton then. In that case, I think. Is that your final answer? I think so. Yes, it is. Yeah. For one point, Josh Wise D. Celeste Felton is correct. Oh, oh my yes. God! For God's sake, what is happening? <laughs> An absolute trashing. Josh ate Adam too. <laughs> say that poor guy. <laughs> thanks very much for playing lads <laughs> thank you're you you're welcome <laughs> so now it is time for the verdict where we decide what honour we are bestowing upon remothered tormented fathers but just before we do that uh, I have some reviews for you reviews of the game at the time to tell you what critics had to say so Metro, uh, I'd love to tell you who the critic was, but Metro doesn't have bylines. So Metro, who gave this game 7 out of 10, called this an effective homage to Clock Tower that manages to create a similar sense of helplessness, even if it doesn't improve on the formula in any notable way. Jonathan Moore at Game Skinny gave it 5 out of 10. The, they said, Remother Tormented Fathers has plenty of terrifying potential, but a convoluted story, repetitive gameplay and questionable voice acting handicap its chances of being truly great. WCCF Tech, the critic being Francesco De Meo, gave it 8 out of 10 and said, With an excellent atmosphere, the lack of predictable jump scares and constant tension, Remother Tormented Fathers is a game that any true fan of the horror genre should not miss. Richard Seagrave of GameSpew gave it 6 out of 10 and said Remother generates just as much frustration as it does atmosphere, making it one of those games that you want to love but can't because it just keeps kicking you in the face. And Jackson <laughs> Wary of Tech Raptor gave it 7.5 out of 10 and said despite its flaws, Remother Tormented Fathers is a step in the right direction for survival horror. Horror fans should give the game a serious look. But lads, none of those opinions matter. Not even the fact that Remother Tormented Fathers won Best Italian Game 2018 at the Italian Video Game Awards. None of that matters. The only opinion that matters is Adam Carroll's, Josh Wise's and Colm O'Hearn's. As we decide, indeed, what honour we are bestowing upon Remother Tormented Fathers. It can be one of three honours. It can be a play, a pass or an espionage explosion. A play is pretty self-explanatory. It is, we think somebody should play it. It might have flaws, etc., etc. But we think overall somebody should play it. Pass? No way. Forget about it. You don't need to add this to your ever-growing Steam backlog. Or an espionage explosion, where we think, for whatever reason, this thing has to be played, whether it's historical significance, whether it is because it excels in one or multiple areas. That is when we call a game an espionage explosion. So, who'd, who'd like to start us off this week? Who needs no time to think about what they would call remother tormented fathers? I will just say straight off that 
This game had a ton of frustrations, as we have explained. And look, I think the way the whole Felton story was handled and just explored, I think that it just, it was, it's unnecessary. It wasn't right. It's just not the one. And I think then the overall, just the gameplay in general, just it does not work well enough. I think um, it just, it just needed, it needed a lot more work. And I do not think, I'm sorry, Jackson Weary, I do not think that this is a step in the right direction for survival horror. And with that, I have to say it's a pass from me. Josh Wise, as I said to you when we recorded Sly Cooper and the Thieves Raccoonus, yes. I was hoping for you to say, no way. <laughs> I, I give this game an entirely different uh, badge of honour. And, mm. you know, there's loads of drama and it makes for incredible audio. Oh, yeah. But I, I have a feeling I know where this is going. But look. Do, do tell. What, well, what do you think? I sort of wanted to consult you guys uh, on the rules of this one because it's a little bit of a weird one. So uh, this is a stealth podcast. And so on the merits of its, you know, mechanical stealth, it would be a pass. However, and it's not a horror podcast, but if it were a horror podcast... And you're a fan of horror games, Silent Hill, Clock Tower, you know, all that sort of stuff. There is some really good stuff in here at the beginning. And I hope, I haven't played the sequel, but, you know, if they get some more money, I think it could be a step in the right direction. Because there are things in this that are really interesting that just aren't in other games. And that early atmosphere was... So anyway... If it was horror, I'd say, yeah, like, play it. It's interesting. You should, if you want to have an, if you have, if you're a horror fan, you should play this. But I know this is a stealth podcast and just on its stealth mechanics, I'd say pass. So where does that leave me? It's it's entirely up to you as an entire game. Well, in that case, I would say that this is a play, but I would just do a little caveat. I'd say, yes, it's a play. If you're a fan of horror, it's quite safely a play. If you're a fan of stealth, it's possibly just about a play because luckily I had enough minutes of playtime that were suffused with just about enough tension. But really, it edges over the line because of the horror. But yeah, it's a play. Ultimately, it's a play for me. Uh, I don't need to go on about it too long. It's a hard pass. As soon as they introduced the Felton backstory, it just, it soured any goodwill I had no, listen I didn't have an awful lot at that stage I will I will say um, <laughs> but it did sour any yep. remaining goodwill I had soaring mm. through my veins mm-hmm. and it was just like oh no no way uh, but as you say Josh they did do a sequel Broken Porcelain I don't know if it was any better like I, I, I know nothing about it I don't no, know if it if either. it dealt with similar themes if, if it's Kind of rectified wrongs. It's, a bo- it's supposed to be pretty bad. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, but yeah, in this case, for Remothered Tormented Fathers, I would say a pass. But forget about Remothered Tormented Fathers. That's in the rear view mirror now. Never need to think about that game again, probably. <laughs> uh, because what we need to think about now is what we're going to be playing and talking about next week. Or on the next episode, I should say, of Stealth Boom Boom. Because on the next episode of Stealth Boom Boom, we're going to be talking about a game that Joe Fielder of GameSpot said, quote, excels in every way that counts, provides a lot of fun, and is well worth the price of admission. 
Next Generation magazine called it, quote, the coolest ninja game in years. And Doug Perry of IGN called it, quote, absorbing, puzzling, hardcore, smart, bloody, and fun as hell. Lads, we're going all the way back to the PS1 and the year of stealth, in many people's eyes, Mm. 1998, our oldest game yet. Because on the next edition of Stealth Boom Boom, we're going to be discussing, reviewing, dissecting Tenchu Stealth Assassins. A game from all of our pasts, mm. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think we all talked about it in the first episode, right? Oh no, we all we all definitely talked about Metal Gear. Perhaps I just prattled on about Tenchu myself. I can't remember. <laughs> I know, I know, it has a soft spot in your heart, Josh. We'll see what Tenchu Stealth Assassins is like with twenty twenty three eyes. I remember it being a very hard game, uh, but you know, that's when we were children. So maybe. It's a little bit, little bit easier yeah. to play now, but we, we shall see. We shall see. So that just about does it for this episode of Stealth Boom Boom. Thank you very much, dear listener, for listening. Of course, if you have somehow found this podcast without subscribing to the Stealth Boom Boom feed, I would implore you, please do, because then you will never miss any future episodes of Stealth Boom Boom. If you search for us on any of your podcatching apps, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, um, Apple Podcasts, whatever, any of them, you'll find us there. Just search for Stealth Boom Boom. You can also find us on social media. We are at Stealth Boom Boom on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. If a new one has popped up in the meantime, we're probably on that as well. Just look for at Stealth Boom Boom. You can also follow all of us on social media. I am at column underscore Ahern. Adam is at Adam Zokes and Josh is at Joshy Wise. So now, lads, it is time for my least favourite part of the show. This is the part of the show where we must bid the listener adieu. So say goodbye, Adam Carroll. Bye, everyone, and thank you for listening. Say goodbye, Josh Wise. Goodbye. And say goodbye, Colin Mahern, Sloan, Guffall. Guffall.